SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Listening to Scott Wetzel will give you a bad taste in your mouth. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Hour number two of our two-hour extravaganza on this Thursday morning, December 3rd. Here's truly Scott Wetzel sitting in, as we always do, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. Taking some phone calls, 844 this hour, 843-6879. You want to send a tweet, it is at Office of Picks. Email me, go to the website, officeofpicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. We'll do the emails. I always do the emails after the show. Uh, tweets we read every once in a while, and then whatever phone calls we get, uh, we try and squeeze them in whenever possible. Football yesterday, Pittsburgh knocked off Baltimore. We'll start there uh, yesterday afternoon in a uh, crazy Wednesday afternoon game with all the coronavirus stuff going on. As uh, the uh, Steelers win at 19-14, really a lackluster game. It started off well, uh, but then four turnovers in the first half kind of derailed things. But it was 7-6 first quarter. Uh, The over we gave out yesterday looked good. Uh, Roethlisberger threw a god-awful pick. Boy, I tell you what, he is as good as Pittsburgh has been this year, 11-0 now, obviously, right? He has thrown some bad passes. Really just uh, some bad passes that have allowed teams back in games, given clubs an opportunity to win the game, you know, and, and they didn't, you know, against Tennessee, you know, yesterday, the, the pick in the end zone. Now, that was early on, but, you know, if Pittsburgh comes out flying like they should have and, you know, open up a quick 7 nothing lead. Now, they did score on an interception return on Baltimore's possession, but, you know, if Pittsburgh comes out flying on offense and punches Baltimore in the gut, maybe the thing is over in the first half, uh, whereas it was only a 12-7 game halftime, Pittsburgh leading it. You know, an RG3 committed some turnovers. Baltimore turned the ball over as well. You know, back and forth, they were screwing up left and right. Ultimately, it came down to a third and one. Now, I don't know if, if they asked Tomlin after the game. I, I kind of doubt it. I didn't see it anyway, but... There was a third and one at the Baltimore 45-yard line with a minute 19 left. They ran the ball up the middle. They ruled it was a first down, and it didn't look like to me it was a first down, or it looked like it was super, super close, identical to the uh, Cleveland Browns-Jacksonville Jaguars game. In that game Sunday, they ruled it wasn't a first down. This game, they ruled it was a first down, but the tip of the football was was right there with the uh, yard line marker, and, you know, I didn't think it was. I thought it was a hair short, but they said first down. I just wonder if they ruled it not a first down. Fourth and one at the Baltimore 45. A minute left. Do they go for it on fourth down? Field goal, they couldn't do that. Um, or do they punt? I, I wonder what Tomlin would have done. Uh, I, I, the smart move would have been to kick the ball, you know, punt the ball, because even though you're putting yourself in a position to lose with that Baltimore offense, I know they just scored on a fluke touchdown pass, but they really have done nothing the, the whole game outside of the first quarter and outside of Pittsburgh turning the ball over on a muff punt. They, they were not moving the ball at all. You know, RG3, when it was in there, threw for 33 yards. I mean, so as much as I like being aggressive, you get the first down, the game is over. Really, the smart play would have been to punt the football, but I wonder what Tomlin would have done. Instead, they rule it a first down. And as I mentioned in the first hour, there's got to be a better way. There just has to be a better way. Either they 
you know, in the world of technology that we have, and you can list the, the, the amount of inventions, whether it's cell phones and Wi-Fi and computers and, you know, all kind of chips. And I got chips in my dog's ears and my cat's tail. I mean, if they get lost, you know, the whole world's going to light up. I mean, there are many different things that we have out there, right? And we got cars that can park themselves, drive themselves. There's just no reason why they can't put a chip in one end of the football or maybe on the outside of the football, something uh, that would allow them to determine if it's really 10 yards or not. Because you may think, well, I mean, how many times does this come up? But it came up twice now. It, it came up in the Cleveland game and it came up yesterday. And, you know, the way the yard markers are, you, you can't, you know, you got to put it next to the football. But because the football is not, flat it's round it's oval to make it you know this is kind of a crazy story but when you put the yard marker next to it you're not putting it really next to the tip because of the ovalness of the football you're putting it a couple of inches to the right of the football or left and so you're not really knowing is, is that line really touching is it or isn't it i mean it, it is fractions it really is and again, in Cleveland, they ruled it not a first down. To me, that looked like it was a first down. Uh, in this game, they ruled it was a first down. To me, it looked like it wasn't a first down. You know, either way, it's off by a fraction, fraction, fraction of an inch. But there's got to be a better way than just bringing a, you know, an archaic 100-year-old yard marker out there and then, you know, thinking that they're going to actually – and listen, they have – I know a lot of people ask, like, how do they know where the yard marker is, you know, when they run it from the sidelines? there's on the initial line of scrimmage, whatever it is, uh, you know, the 40-yard line, the 50-yard line, uh, there's a marker on that chain. So when they run out there, they put that marker on that 50-yard line, and then they kind of go from there. So they're really not extending it 10 yards, believe it or not. They're really only extending it from the point of the 50-yard line, midfield to the 45. Um, but you know, screw-ups can be made, or half an inch to the left or right, and you got it wrong. And that's all the—I mean, literally, it was probably a half an inch, a quarter of an inch of this being a first down or not a first down. So, um, I don't know. I, there's got to be a better way. Like I said, in 2020, there's got to be a better way. There really has to be. Bengals and Bad Beats on this uh, Thursday morning. Just getting started. Hour number two with yours truly, Scott Webster. So, you take you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. We'll get into the NBA and college football. Uh, all coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It was talked about a lot and is specifically talked about in the room about whether or not Ohio State uh, goes to four or if uh, Texas A&M uh, flips and goes to four and, and Ohio State goes to five. A lot of discussion about that. At the end of the day, the, the offensive firepower of, uh, of Ohio State, all the, all the weapons they have, the win over Indiana. And then uh, we did have an additional game to evaluate in Texas A&M. They beat LSU 20 to seven. Uh, but at the end of the day, the committee just decided that Ohio State was uh, still a better team than Texas A&M, deserved to be four, but, but definitely a lot of discussion about number of games played.
Oh, yeah. Trouble brewing in the Big Ten college football, but not now, you know, you, you talk about a, a sport that's just desperate for attention. Here's Julie Scott Watson sitting and taking it right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. We'll hit the phones here in a bit, 844-843-6879. But just, just uh, let, let me explain this one to you, Lucy. Um, I, I love the ignorance of people around the country. I really, I, I do. I, you know, it, it is so amazing uh, how people just want to sound off without really knowing. You know, it, it, it is funny. All right, so... Uh, the first uh, step, and that was Gary Barta. He is the, uh, I won't tell you his uh, official title as far as who he is, but I will tell you, I'll save that. Uh, but I will tell you, he is the college football playoff selection committee chairperson. So he, he's a big win. So he's talking about Ohio State. The fact that they've only played four games. They were ranked fourth again this week uh, after being considered dropped because they've only played four games and other teams have played, you know, six and seven and eight, nine in some cases, uh, in, you know, BYU. So the big debate is what are we going to do with Ohio state? Because they've only played four games. So first step is playing in the big 10 championship. Do you know, they're supposed to play at least six. They're supposed to play within two of the average number of games that all the other teams in the conference play, which is, you know, on the surface, a nice rule. This way you don't have a team that, you know, unfortunately maybe gets the draw on the raw end of the stick and only plays four games, and you got all these other teams playing seven and eight games. <clears throat> so you, you can't have a team with, with four wins in there, right? Um, although, I, I, you know, you could, but you, that, that's what they wanted to prevent. You know, a 4-0, a God forbid, you know, Rutgers team getting in there, um, you know, because they've only played four games versus another club that uh, has played uh, eight. So what are we going to do with Ohio State? So and people are bitching and moaning, saying that they shouldn't be allowed in, and they've only played four games. It's not fair. It's not this. It's not that. Okay, you know what? Uh, let's let's take your side of it for now. Ohio State doesn't get to play in the Big Ten championship game. Who are you putting in there? Well, how about the Northwestern and Iowa? Well, Iowa's in the wrong division. Uh, how about Northwestern Wisconsin rematch? Well, Wisconsin's in the wrong division. Um, how about uh, you know, Penn State? You know, great team. Uh, Penn State's one and five this year. How about Michigan? Great team. Uh, Michigan's two and four this year. Uh, how about Michigan State? Michigan State's two and three this year. How about Rutgers? Well, never mind. How about Maryland? Uh, Maryland is two and two. They played four games as well. Uh, who else is left? Well, you got Indiana, but Indiana just lost their best player for the season. Their their star quarterback. So 5-1 Indiana, which, oh, by the way, lost to Ohio State, and really were getting their ass kicked. It was 35-7. 35-7 quarter. The game was over. Ohio State took their foot off the pedal. They, they screwed up a little bit. It turned out to be a close game, much like Clemson against uh, Boston College and much like Clemson against Syracuse. You know, two games that ended up being close in the fourth quarter. They ended up winning. They were, you know, in the case of Boston College, BC was actually winning big. But in Syracuse, they were winning big. They took their foot off the pedal. They got caught, uh, and it ended up being a close game. Same thing with Indiana and Ohio State. So point is, who are you putting in there? Those are the teams in the East. One and five Penn State, not putting them in there. Two and four Rutgers, obviously not putting them in there. Two and four Michigan, you can't put them in there. Uh, two and three Michigan State, you're not putting them in there. Two and two Maryland, you're obviously not putting them in there because they're only four wins, four games as well. Two of them are losses. Indiana's your only, you know, recourse at five and one, but chances are very good they're going to lose this week to Wisconsin um, and to fall to five and two, and it may end up losing to Purdue to close out the regular season and fall to five and three because their best player by far, their star quarterback, is out. 
So there's nobody else to put in. You know, you're going to embarrass yourself by putting an under 500 team in the Big Ten championship. So I, I marvel and I laugh at these people. Oh, Big Ten, Ohio State can't be in there with four wins if they only play four games, if the last two games are canceled. It's not right. Not, okay, then tell me who's going in there. Uh, you think it looks better to have a one and five Penn State team in there or a two and four Michigan team in there? There's nobody else to go in. They have to put Ohio State in. All right, so let's say they only play the five games. Let's say they win the Big Ten championship, five and oh. Are they going to get to the national championship, the final four? Well, I'll give you the same scenario. You don't want them in there? Who are you putting in there? Who who do you think deserves to go in over a 5-0 and Ohio State team? Well, how about, uh, how about Texas A&M, Scott? All right, Texas A&M, they got their ass kicked by Alabama by 28 points. All right? It wasn't like it was close and they deserve another shot at this thing. They lost. 52 to 24. It, it wasn't competitive after the first five minutes of the game. And then you look at the rest of Texas A&M's schedule. They beat Bandy, who just fired their head coach. They beat Mississippi State, big stinking deal. They beat, you know, an improving Arkansas team, but it's still Arkansas. They beat South Carolina that fired its head coach. I mean, they they, they played every team that's fired their head coaches. Uh, they played LSU, which should fire its head coach. They've beaten nobody. Nobody. Except Florida. Now, give them credit for that. They beat Florida 41-38. Good game. Got to give them credit for that. But that's it. So you think that team with that resume, even though they play in the SEC, is worthy of being in the Final Four over 5-0 and Ohio State? I don't think so. What about Florida, Yale Scream? Well, Florida's going to be playing Alabama, uh, more than likely anyway, unless there's a collapse, in the SEC championship game. So that's going to take care of itself. If they lose, I don't care if they lose by one point, they would have had two losses. You can't put a two-loss Florida team in there. If they win, then they get in, and then it's Alabama. But So they're not going to get screwed. More than likely, they would get in. All right, so then if, if you don't, you know, if, if those two teams are going to take care of themselves, then you're going down to a two-loss, you know, Iowa State team, which may be three losses if, if, when they lose to Oklahoma uh, in, in the Big 12 championship game. And that's it. There aren't any teams this year that are really getting screwed unless you want to go down to the BYUs of the world. And I'm telling you, as I've told you from the get-go, they are not putting Cincinnati in. They're not putting BYU in. They're just not. They're not giving up a piece of the pie to non-Power 5 teams. They're just not doing it. So don't even think about going there. You want to put 7-1 and Miami in? They got their butts kicked at 45-7 uh, to Clemson. They're not worthy of getting in. So whether Ohio State has five wins or six wins or hell, even four wins, they're one of the best four teams in the country. They are. And, and there's not a team out there that, that really can yell and scream. You know, Texas A&M would have been the only one, but listen, they got crushed by Alabama. So you, you you can't really yell, and, and they haven't really beat anybody else. You know the SC outside of Florida, but you know outside of that, the SEC that West Division is not good this year. It just isn't. So there's not another team. Again, throwing out BYU and Cincinnati 
as we're doing, because the, the, that committee will never put those teams in there. I don't care if you got to put a two-loss team in there. They'll put a two-loss Georgia team in there before they put an undefeated Cincinnati or BYU team in there. You want to yell and scream about that? Yell and scream about that. But don't, don't yell and scream about Ohio State. All right? There's no one that can play in the Big Ten championship game except them. And as we pointed out, there's no one really that's worthy of being in the college football final. There really isn't. This season has enough asterisks on it. You don't need one more not having Ohio State in there. It's good to say, well, Ohio State probably wins. 844 we grab a couple of phone calls coming up right here on a Thursday. Things have had your school. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Listen, I, I, I've been around this league a long time, 25 years, I believe, uh, as a player and a coach. And, and um, you know, we're always based on and, and we're evaluated on our performance. And uh, right now, uh, that's obviously not my uh, not my concern as far as that decision goes. That's 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 out of my hands. But what's in my hands and in my control is is getting the team prepared and ready uh, for uh, you know for Green Bay uh, this weekend. So um, you know I, I'm I'm not I'm not going there uh, mentally. Um, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to playing again this week, getting back on the grass tomorrow with the players and. Uh, and getting ready for Green Bay. Well, it was definitely a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world in the NFL. Uh, that is for sure. That's Doug Peterson on uh, Tuesday talking about, uh, you know, him uh, being under the gun there in Philadelphia, winning a Super Bowl, as we talked about yesterday, you know, two years ago, three seasons ago, two straight seasons since then in the playoffs. And then this year, obviously, not going to be the case. Well, I shouldn't say that, but th- this year, you know, uh, not been a great year. Whether they win the division or not, uh, it's still going to be a lousy year record-wise for Philadelphia. And, and the guy won a Super Bowl three years ago. I mean, it is really amazing. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with Carson Wentz. I really do. I, I think if it was the same quarterback, same team that went to the Super Bowl a few years ago, they would just say, all right, this is just a blip on the radar screen. But the fact that they ran the star quarterback out of town, put a statue up of him outside the stadium, oh, by the way, uh, and, and has his replacement, and it's not working out. It didn't work out really last year. Uh, I, I think that all kind of plays a role. But it is amazing. Doug Peterson, their head coach of Philadelphia, talking about his job security. You want to know how bad the NFC East is, I, I knew it was bad, but I made a point, I, I brought it up in my podcast, um, and, and you go to my website, oppositepicks.com, if you want to join the podcast there, and I said, you know, I was curious to know what the, the records were of the teams in the NFC East outside of the division. Giants are 4-7 and seven overall, Washington's 4-7, and seven, Eagles 3-7-1, and one, Cowgirls 3-8. and eight. So, listen, they're all three games or more under 500, which is just remarkable, as we know. We've talked about that. But to put it really into perspective, if you take away the wins that they have against each other in the division, you know what the combined record of the Giants, Redskins, get a nickname and I'll change that, Eagles and Cowgirls is? 5-20. And one. 
And if you take away the games against the Bungles, which, you know, obviously is, is you know, Bungles are the Bungles, they're 3-20-1. They have won three games outside of its division. Dallas has, oddly enough, two of the wins, and they're in last place at 3-8. and eight. They beat Minnesota and Atlanta. I mean, 3-20-1. and 20 and one. That is just amazing. And the one tie was against the Bungles. I, I mean, uh, Washington and, and the Giants beat Cincy, and even Giants beat them with the backup quarterback playing. And Washington beat them with, with Burrow going out. So that, that's why, you know, not only can you throw out because it's Cincy and they stink, but, you know, you can <clears throat> throw it out there that they were playing with backup quarterbacks. So, but ultimately, when everything is said and done, just leave it as it is. 520 and one. And against the spread, not much better. 619 and one. They're not even covering. That's how bad the NFC East is. I mean, it is just funny. You're going to get a team that's going to go six and 10, that's going to win the division. A six and 10 team. You know, yeah, we, we talked about it. You know, nothing new here, but it's just when you look at it and you start breaking down the nuances of that division, five and 20 and with one tie in their non-division games. Wow. Uh, that, that team, and, and covering only six of those 27 games, 28 games, whatever it is, 20, uh, 26 games. Um, that is just, man, that's bad football. That is just bad, bad football. Mike in North Bergen joins us on Bagels and Bad Beats as we open up the phones, 844-843-6879. What's going on, Mike? How are you today, bud? Scott, hey, good morning, bud. What's going on? Not much, not much. Just uh, getting ready for a big weekend of uh, who knows what, decorating, maybe get the Christmas tree, debating on whether we should get it early this year and get it out of the way. So not, not much. What's yeah. up with you, bud? Oh, man. Hey, you know, I was just listening in, man. You were making some excellent points, dude. And Hey, you know what, though? It is what it is. You already know I'm a Giants fan. And the fact that we're playing meaning, meaningful football with that crap record, it means a whole lot. So I'll take it. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, man. Um, of course, we didn't have no chance winning that game even with Daniel Jones, but I think if they just let this kid air it out instead of being conservative, we might have a shot, dude, because Seahawks, their defense is very suspect in the air. You know, so uh, maybe we, we, we establish that running game first with Wayne DeTrain going, get him going, and then, you know, let the kid air it out. Why not? You know what I'm saying? We. We're playing with house money. Everybody else in the division's got a tough matchup this week. So, you know, once again, we weren't expected to win that game even at full strength. So I think, you know, let the kid play. Let him make some plays down the field. Let him take some chances. And, you know, who knows? Man, maybe we might steal one. Yeah. I, you know, listen, I, I don't think so. But you never know. I, I mean, I, I'd be happy just to know that Daniel Jones is playing. I don't think he will. He's going to be caught. With well, it sounds good at least. Yeah, yeah. The one good thing you have there, Mike, is that you hold the tiebreaker over Washington. So, you know, you, you kind of have a game in hand in that you can lose and have Washington win, which I don't think they will do this weekend. But even if it were to occur, you know, you'd be able to make up that game and not have to make up two games. Uh, so it's it, that yeah. you really haven't beaten Washington twice. That That's a big, big chip on uh, on your shoulders to be able to uh, say you could get into a tie with them and, and hold the head-to-head tiebreaker. So. 
Um, now, listen, I, I come out of that game healthy. That that would be the number one thing. I, and I don't think Washington's beaten Pittsburgh. You know, when you look at the schedule, you're right. They, all these teams have tough uh, tough games this week. So they're probably – Very tough games. games. Yeah, I, Washington well, – I didn't realize it was Pittsburgh. I forgot about that. Yeah, so they're not winning. So you know, even, as long as uh, – I, I would not play Daniel Jones. Hamstring injuries, they're, they're tough. So get out of this game healthy. You know, head into Arizona next week. Got Arizona and Cleveland both at home. Those, those are winnable games. Those really are. They're, they're not insurmountable. Um, you know, as long as you can get the, the Ravens to knock off Dallas, and I think, you know, everything will be back uh, in, in Ravenville, uh, you know, by next Tuesday, uh, then you'll be okay. And, and Philadelphia's a train wreck. I don't care who Philadelphia's playing. That, that's just an awful football team. A Packers. Yeah, they're not beating them. Yeah, I mean, that, that does uh... – that makes the most sense, Scott. You know what I mean? It really, it really does. I really do think though that we got a couple of X factors, though, man. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't think I'm over here like sold that we're gonna win the game. I'm not trying to tell you that, but I mean, we got a pretty decent chance, man. One of the major X factors we got is Joe Judge, dude. I mean, this guy got these freaking guys playing, dude. He, Will Hernandez, I didn't even know Will Hernandez is actually one of the top linemen in the league right now, man. So I'm very impressed and I'm proud of him, man, because he was in the doghouse for a little bit. You know what I mean? And Andrew Thomas, he's starting to look like, you know, he was worth that fourth overall pick. So, you know, once again, it's going to be the battle of the trenches, man. If we get, I'm telling you, man, we get Wayne the Train Gallman going, mark my words, Scotty. Darius Slayton's going to have at least two long touchdowns, brother. You heard it here first. Yeah, good job, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. Slayton's not a bad little receiver. He's actually turned himself into a decent receiver. Um, you know, you'd like to have had, uh, you know, Daniel Jones in that game, but I don't think he's going to play. And, and, yeah, he's right. He's dead on. You know, Cowboys at Baltimore is probably the easiest game on the schedule. If you told me one of these teams were going to win, that would be it. I, I don't think the Giants are beating Seattle, especially knowing that Seattle – you know, is in the thick of things for either the division race or the number one seed in the NFC. I mean, the point is that they're taking this game seriously. Um, the only little caveat to that is that the the uh, Seagirls have the Giants and Jets back-to-back weeks. And maybe they're kind of viewing this as a little bit of a reprieve, a little bit of a, you know, a buy scenario over a two-week period where they don't take these games that seriously. But with Pete Carroll and company, I kind of doubt that. But you never know. I mean, listen, they didn't look great against Philadelphia, but Dallas at Baltimore Tuesday is the one. You got to keep the Cowboys out of the equation. You want to be able to have that Cowboys game that closes out the regular season as a meaningless game for Dallas. You don't want them in the thick of things. But Philadelphia is not beating Green Bay. Uh, they beat the Packers last year. If, they, if the Packers need any more motivation, then they have it with that. And, uh, you know, the other one, Washington, is obviously not beating uh, Pittsburgh. I'd love to see it happen, but that's not happening. So chances are the 4-8 Giants will be in first place after this week. Louie and Augusta. Louie, welcome to uh, Bagels and Bad Beats. Morning, Scott. Hey, uh, just a couple of things. I think for the college football, I think, I think this is what's going to happen is the only way BYU or Cincinnati get in, the only way is is – if Florida gets blown out on the SEC championship game, or if Ohio State blows, uh, if um, Notre Dame gets blown, uh, uh, gets blown out. Otherwise, it's going to be whoever makes it closer, either Florida or um, Notre Dame. So whoever one of those keeps it closer, I think they're going to put that game in. So that's just what I think. What do you think, Scott? Yeah. 
I, I, I don't even think I'd be surprised, Louie, if, if Notre Dame did. You, you're right. I mean, it would be a bad look if Notre Dame got blown out uh, and, and then got a bid. But they would find a way to get somebody else in there then. Maybe it would be Oklahoma. You know, the winner of the Big 12 championship between Iowa State and Oklahoma. You know, they could elevate them. You know, they would throw a Texas A&M probably in there over Cincinnati or BYU. BYU's got no shot. The only chance, and really it's, it's not even that big of a chance, but if Liberty doesn't play Coastal Carolina, they're talking about them playing Liberty. But uh, as much as I love Liberty and Coastal Carolina, that, that's probably not going to get it done. So, I uh, know. I, I you know what, Louis, I'd love to see it. Uh, I, I think it's not right. Well, in the case of Cincinnati, I think it's fair, but not, not with BYU. So, more coming up. Bagels and Bad Beats. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. My point to you is, and by the way, two or three of those quarterbacks will be back uh, from the COVID. But, boy, we have been schooled in the NFL, these teams have been schooled that you had really better pay attention to your protocols, uh, you better manage, don't just give it lip service, roll your eyes back and say that happens to them, it doesn't happen to me, uh, because uh, uh, when we line up to play a game, it's just going to be like uh, uh, we had uh, our center uh, the, the, uh, two games ago, we had him pull a, down, uh, pull a muscle right as he's coming out the tunnel. <laughs> and you lost him. And I don't mean to be tried about it, but uh, that happens. That's football. And you better be ready to have somebody else come in there. That's Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones talking about the Denver Broncos quarterback situation, having uh, no uh, no no sympathy for the Broncos, and and why not? They brought it upon themselves. So Dallas is in the same position. I don't know if Dallas would be uh, you know any better, but they would be. I must say, if you're a Cowgirls fan, out of all the teams in that uh, god awful NFC least, they are the ones that are saying what could have been. You know, I, I know they did struggle. It's forgotten that Dak was in there, and they were struggling for a few games. But you have to believe they'd have more than three wins if Prescott was playing. Uh, instead, that, that's where they sit in last place. You know, the Giants are going to be the Giants. They were going to be a 4-5 win team. Uh, the Washington uh, Redskins, same thing. They're going to be a 4-5 win team, whether uh, Kyle Allen got hurt or whether, you know, they, they threw um, – you know, to the wind, you know, their third-string quarterback out there, they are what they are, you know, whether it's a first-stringer or, or back with Dwayne Haskins. You know, Dwayne Haskins would be Dwayne Haskins. It's amazing. You don't hear about him at all anymore. And Philadelphia, you know, they've had some injuries, but, you know, at least they're the one team that's had their starting quarterback from start to finish. No other team in that division could say that. So they are what they are. It's Dallas that's down to its, you know, second-slash-third-string quarterback at times that are saying, boy, we, we could be at least, right, 500 and have a commanding two, three-game lead in this division. But instead, they're on the outside looking in, sitting in last place. So no sympathy for the devil, uh, as the saying goes. By the way, back back to the college football there for a quick second. The, the one thing I was going to tell you about, which I, I was holding out to the very end and I forgot to go back to, and that is that the, the Barta guy, He's not only the, you know, selection committee chairperson, 
He's also the AD of Iowa. So what you may say? Uh, well, think about what conference Iowa is in, the Big Ten. So what you say? Think about what conference Ohio State is in, the Big Ten. So not only is Ohio State kind of standing on its own merits, but they have a huge voice in that room when it comes to debating and whether a four, five, or six win Ohio State team gets into the college football championship, knowing that this guy is representing the conference that Ohio State is in. That's big. If you think that this AD is going to come out of that committee knowing that they let their undefeated meal ticket not get in, you're kidding yourself. It, it, there's just no way in the world. I don't care if Ohio State doesn't play another game. They will. But I don't care if they don't. They'll get in with four wins. They will. You know, if the Big Ten was smart, if they don't play the next two games, for whatever reason with the COVID, they're talking about Michigan not being able to play in a couple of weeks, you know, the Big Ten would be wise to say, all right, you know what, let, let's schedule another game for Ohio State then. Let, let, let's do that. I, even if it's a patsy, even if they got to play Indiana again, although the, the luster is taken away from that with Pettix Jr. being out for the rest of the season with his busted up knee. But, you know, pick a team, you know, whether it's Minnesota or Purdue, it doesn't necessarily have to be Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin again, again or uh, or Northwestern. But, you know, let's, let's pick a middle-of-the-road team just to give – Ohio State one more game. They could do that. You know, if Michigan tells them this week, listen, we can't, we can't play. We, we just, you know, we, we canceled the game against Maryland. And uh, unless a miracle happens, uh, we're not going to be able to play in two weeks. Then, you know, maybe they go back to Big Ten and say, all right, let's get uh, Ohio State one more game. Then uh, They've already clinched a, a shot into the Big Ten championship because they beat Indiana. So they would hold the tiebreaker over them. So let, let's go ahead and do that then. They could do that. But knowing that Bard is the AD of Iowa, uh, yeah, that, that that's it's not happening. They're, they're not going to get excluded. They, they will not. Uh, Liberty's football game with uh, Coastal Carolina Saturday is in jeopardy, not being played. Now, while that may not be big, uh, you know, big deal nationally. You know what? It actually is. Two undefeated teams, two teams, believe it or not, ranked uh, in the top twenty-five as Liberty and Coastal Carolina nine and zero are. Uh, you know, Four Letter Network was going to do their game day from from the site at, at Coastal Carolina in South Carolina because the game is, you know, trying to give them them pubs. Now they're talking about if Liberty is unable to play, and they're the ones that would not be able to, BYU and Coastal Carolina might get together. That would be pretty good. Um, I don't know how much, you know, BYU is going to be helped by that. You know, it, it's kind of like they're risking a lot for really no gain because if they win, you know, listen, the selection committee is not saying, why not they beat Coastal Carolina? Let's put them in. Uh, they really have nothing to gain and everything to lose. If, if they lose, then forget it. Then all the yapping about them being in is going to be thrown out the window. Coastal Carolina, are they going to be helped out? I mean, I don't think they have any real dreams of being, you know, in the in the football Final Four. They're ranked 18th. Uh, but I told you yesterday, you know, when you play the Dominoes, Coastal Carolina beat Louisiana Lafayette, which beat Iowa State. So this Coastal Carolina team is a good team. They should be a hell of a lot higher ranked than, than 18. But um, and that's why the Liberty Coastal Carolina would be a lot of fun to watch, but we don't know if that's going to be played. Las Vegas Bowl is the 10th bowl to get canceled because of the, uh, the coronavirus. Bahamas Bowl, Celebration Bowl, Fenway Bowl. I didn't even know there was a Fenway Bowl. Hawaii Bowl, Holiday Bowl, 
Motor City Bowl, Pinstripe Bowl here in New York, Red Box Bowl, and the Sun Bowls are the others. So we're up to 10. Pac-12 has lost four bowl games in which they are, have alignments in. So uh, I don't know how they're going to get any of these bowls. Like I said, outside of the major bowls because of the conference, I don't know how they can justify having any bowls, sending these kids all over the country when we've been dealing with the coronavirus and having games being canceled left and right. Again, you know, we said it a thousand times, but this would have been the perfect year. Expand the postseason to eight games, get some of these meaningless bowls to be incorporated into the, the bowl picture, and you could justify it then. But, you know, justifying a sun bowl or a red box bowl or a celebration bowl, wherever the fudge that's being played or supposed to be played, is, is dopey. So far this week, Boise UNLV for Friday night canceled, SMU Houston canceled, Northwestern Minnesota canceled, Michigan Maryland canceled, Miami O Kent State canceled, and uh, Southern Miss UTEP canceled. So we have what six games so far. That figures to grow. Last couple of weeks we've had about a dozen games each week, so I'm expecting a few more before everything is said and done. So it's, it's, it's uh, you know, and maybe, unfortunately, Liberty Coastal Carolina will be a, another one. So uh, I don't know how much, you know, this is Thursday. You know, how many days notice are you going to give BYU? I mean, think about the cost of that. Um, I don't know how they, they have these flights, but you're flying into, you know, South Carolina on last-second notice. I imagine you can use the same hotel that Liberty was going to be using, although Liberty is in Virginia, so maybe they were going to bus in Saturday morning. I don't know. But, you know, just the logistics. Like, here we sit on a Thursday. You're going to be playing a team on Saturday that you probably don't know anything about. They might be doing some research now, but that's the goofiness of 2020. That, 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 that's just weird. You know, that, that, that's not, that's not going to show anything. It really isn't. Tell me you're kidding about this. First up, you know how many buys the Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight ended up with, according to the stories? We talked about how much of a joke this fight was Saturday night. 1.2 million, they're saying. Over a million buys. They grow at $50 a pop, $49.95. They grossed $60 million for an exhibition fight which was horrible between Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson. $60 million they generated. Now, supposedly it was all going to charity, but, you know, all the very, uh, you know, common phrase word thrown out there. But by the time everyone got their share, you know, maybe they gave out a few million dollars to charity. Who knows? But I, that, that's not my point. Point is that a broken down 54-year-old Mike Tyson and an even broken down even more 51, 52, whatever he is, uh, Roy Jones Jr. had over a million people pay $50. They grossed $60 million for that thing. And it was a farce. It was horrible. Wow. So Evander Holyfield, hearing these numbers, says, whoa, that fight? No, listen, I may not be Mike Tyson, but I, I have more pull than Roy Jones Jr. And, and clearly, I don't care what the judges said, you know, Tyson clearly won the fight. So Holyfield's people sends out a press release saying that he wants to fight Mike Tyson. 
He said, that was just a tune-up. My side tried to make the fight happen. We got nothing but excuses. Roy Jones was a good local opponent for Mike, but a fight with me would be a global event, and the only fight that anyone wants to see is a fight between us. There's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't make it happen. No more excuses. This is the fight that must happen for both our legacies. Saturday night, you said you were ready to fight me, so sign the contract. Get in the ring, Tyson. The world is waiting, and it's on you now. I'm ready. <laughs> what a farce. Nobody, nobody but nobody is calling for Mike Tyson to get back in the ring, let alone with the 90-year-old Evander Holyfield with one ear. I mean, are you kidding me? You had one crack at it. As the saying goes, uh, you know what? You screw up, shame on you. You screw up twice, shame on me. You know, if people are dumb enough to buy a Tyson Jones fight for 50 bucks, okay, you didn't know what you were getting. Intrigue, interest, curiosity factor, okay. Maybe I'll excuse that. I'll understand that. But after watching Tyson fight and Roy Jones Jr. fight, and Jones Jr. walks into the ring, he's already limping. Both they're huffing and puffing. I mean, you and I could have knocked out Roy Jones Jr. You know, my, my 15-year-old daughter, all he had to do was hit him one time in the face, and he was going down, and Tyson wasn't man enough to do that. If you think anybody uh, is dumb enough to put another 50 bucks down to watch Tyson even against Holyfield, no way. No, no I mean, never say never. It's boxing people, but if you're going to base it on what you saw last Saturday night, there's just no reason to plunk down that kind of money. You, you want to charge 10 bucks to see these two old geezers get in the ring, I suppose. But the fact that they ruled the fight a draw on Saturday when, when the whole world knew that Tyson won shows you that this thing is rigged. There's just that fight did more damning than it did good. You know, if, if they really thought they were going to have a little series here of two, three, four fights, then you know what? Okay. But. Having that fight be a draw, the Tyson dominated basically literally every round. So, and now they see the $60 million paycheck. Now all the boxes are walking up to the They all want to be absolutely. So, what will it happen? I kind of think. I think it's about being corrupt on shop. I'm a We do this 24 hours a day, every day. It's real. And it's here. We've got to come up with a better name for it than fantasy sports. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on this uh, Thursday morning. Let us wrap up shop with a couple of stories that we didn't have time to delve into that much. Uh, Houston quarterback Deshaun Watson is calling for the uh, Texans to re-sign wide receiver disgraced steroid user Will Fuller, who's uh, playing his fifth-year option. Uh, remember, he got suspended last week, six games for uh, using roids. 
Uh, they, they, he loves him. Uh, Will knows that we all love him, he says. And he'll always do the right thing. Really? Really, Deshaun? Hmm. I don't know if I'd be lining myself up with a writer or not, but we'll see who really is running the ship there in Houston, whether they bring him back or not. Eagles activate tight end Zach Ertz off IR yesterday. Cubs non-tendered World Series hero Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Liangelo, or Liangelo, L-I, whatever you pronounce his name, has agreed the ball, has agreed to a one-year non-guaranteed contract with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, let us check out our poll question, shall we, as we update things here. Who won the John Wall Russell Westbrook proposed trade? Uh, pretty even. I, I tell you, you know, this is as even a poll as we've ever put up there. Who cares, though, is winning at <laughs> 28%. Uh, you gotta love that. Washington Wizards, 27.5%. Nobody, trash for trash, 24%, and uh, the Houston Rockets just over uh, 20% as uh, the, the, the top uh, nominees. Go to Opposite Picks. It'll be up there all day as it always is, and then we'll update it uh, tomorrow morning when we do our uh, new poll. All right, uh, we gave out a winner and a loser yesterday. We gave out the over in the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game. We were wrong on that, but we did give out the over on Gonzaga last night. That's an easy winner. I tell you, Zags, overs, I told you about that last year. We're going to be all over them again this year. And in the same conference, St. Mary's, on the other hand, they all go under. 4-0 under already this season. So the play of the day, under 136.5 St. Mary's in Texas Southern uh, is your late college basketball game. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll be back here Friday right here at Big with the Bad Beats. Be safe and uh, wear the hat. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.